right, good afternoon. When I was 10 years old, have your attention now. Um, when I was 10 years old, I got a uh, book, a little book as a present. The book was called Kum B'Chachma. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's an oitzer of from the Nasir Chabad and Chsidim. And uh, at that age, I appreciated this type of book. And among the Vertlach uh, in this book, that's uh, still uh, stuck in my head till now, is something b'shem, the well-known Haseh Rav Manes Friedman. Um, made it, he managed to make it into the pantheon of Chassidosh Chabad Vertlach. He's been around, of course, for uh, 50 years. I checked. He went to Minnesota in 1971. So he's gone through many phases and iterations. This dates back to a much uh, earlier phase. Akopanim, he said the following story. You have to imagine it in his voice. I'm not going to. uh... So Manus Friedman says that he was once invited to speak to some young people about uh, Yiddishkeit. Now, he knew that whenever he has a lecture, whenever he appears before these people, the question always is, why do Jews, why do Hasidim wear black? And he got tired of being asked this question and having to answer the question each time. So he decided one time he's going to show up in a leather motorcycle jacket. Sidestep the whole issue. He comes to the hall, he gives his lecture, and then when he finishes the lecture, it's question and answer time, and uh, the first person raises their hand and says, yes, what's your question? And he says, why do the Hasidim always wear black? So didn't help. So this is a question, obviously, that many people like to ask. So we're going to discuss this question in a sense. Now, this question is both a historic question. Why do we, namely so-called Haredim, whatever you want to call them, why do we look different? Why do we dress differently? Um, then specifically, you can start asking, why do we look different than Paila Shechzidim? If we're both trying to look different, why do they look much more different and we look slightly less different? We, are, we look very normal with our hats and jackets out in the summer. Uh, by the way, my personal impression is, is that if you ask someone who doesn't know the differences and distinctions, the Litvish Bacher with the uh, aftershave and a short jacket and the, the, the Chassidah Sheyid with the long, the long beard and the payas and the Zak, they, they, they all look the same to them, just uh, as a, my impression. They're all Hasidic Jews. But there is a difference. We, we at least perceive ourselves to look a little different than them. So the question is why, how did that happen? And there's also a halacha question here, which is, are we allowed to dress just like the garment? Are we allowed to look identical to them or not? And if not, what's the definition? What's the distinction? How do we uh, determine uh, what's appropriate? And the answer to uh, all those questions is in, uh, in one word, or more exactly two words, Xedas Hamalbushim. Xedas Hamalbushim, in a nutshell, is that Tsar Nikolai in the Russian Empire in the 1840s decided that the Jews need to update and upgrade their appearance, how they look, and we can thank him, quote-unquote, for the repercussions of that decree till this very day. Now, the decree was actually not only for men, it was also for women, and in fact, the reason that I ended up uh, choosing and landing on this topic uh, today is as a result of this new sefer that just arrived this week, Charles Chuvis Mahari, Rabbi Yosef Tumarkin of Kremenchuk. It was put out by uh, two uh, that I know uh, a bit. So in Simandala, there's a discussion between the Rabbanim at that time about a, a special hairnet or something of that sort for women to wear in the mikveh, and whether it's okay or not. And what's the pshat? So in the footnote, they explain that until then, Yiddish women in all these countries used to shave their head completely after the chasana. Um, so in fact, for those familiar that, with the fact that other communities still do that, instead of asking why they do that, the real question is also, again, why are we different? Because apparently the minute was once universally in these countries that women... I'm not saying that. Up to the, hmm? Okay, no, we're talking about uh, the recent Eastern European culture that we come from, and the, the women up till that point all shave their heads after the chasana. Um, and one of the reasons being, uh, presumably, for the mikveh, just makes it easier. Um, and then this gzeda came along, and they had hair. 
So now there's new Shilas. They're, they're typing in the mikveh. The hair might float up. It's more difficult. They weren't used to having to take that into account. So that's how they, with this new problem, so they're looking for new solutions, and that's how they ended up with this discussion. If you can use a hairnet made of hair, and it's not a problem, not a chatzitza, and it's not a this, not a that. These chuvas were actually first printed in a sefer called Chuvas Maharish, and then it was reprinted in Yagel Torah at Tzemach Tzedek, and then again, here in this new sefer. So if you look at the end of Rabbi Yosef Tamarkin, who was arguing that it's a good idea, so he writes, you please let me know why you think otherwise. Where does it say, and he says, anyway, I want you, he says, the opposite, you're so, you're so concerned about this, uh, you know, wearing this, what about the opposite, chashash? He says, I asked, I asked the mikvah ladies, they say, they can't really see this in the dark, it's not hard for them to tell what's going on with the hair. What they do see is, that's because the women are aware that now they have a problem with their hair, so they're bending down extra, you're not supposed to really do that. Uh, so he's asking him, uh, don't just reject it, uh, take this into consideration. The response of Rameshulamar and Yaivitz of Kremen Shul, which is also printed in here, so he responds on the halachic issues, and then he writes at the end that he, he took the concern seriously. He also looked into it, he says, I sent, special, I sent my wife, the Rabbitson, his Rabbitson, and I sent Aisha Samufla, the Isaac Gurari. It's interesting to try to figure out uh, how he's related, if and how he's related to the famous Gerai uh, Um I sent They sent these two to check it out, and they came back and reported that, no, you could see with, with candles, you can see very well what's going on. You can be on top of it. It's not a problem. And uh, Shulam Aaron mentioned, he's also from Kremen Shuk, he also he mentions about Venice and Abba. At this point, we have a lot of men who are also growing longer hair, and uh, everyone gets a chanet, so you figure out how to go to the mikveh without creating new problems from your new solution. Anyway, that's how uh, that was the spark to discuss this Indian. That's on the, the woman, on the, the woman front. But back to uh, the Etzim topic, um, to understand this a bit better, we can perhaps uh, be Magdir, we can define that when it comes to, we talk about Ashkenaz, Yidden and Ashkenaz, you could divide it into two groups. There's Germany and there's Poland. Of course, there are other countries in Europe, Italy, Holland, but they don't represent Ashkenaz. So in Germany, it's, it seems that they were always a little bit more up to date. We already mentioned, we're speaking about Lagbaimer and Svira and the Mercatus, about even Le- Shainim seemingly uh, touching their beards. And they also seem to generally have dressed more closely to the way the Gaim dressed. And even the Frum, the Charedim, the Frum Ayyidim kept on updating over time. As time went on, they also updated along with the times to whatever extent. And in Poland, Poland was the most regressive. So they were mamish dressing as, you know, as old-fashioned and as out of uh, character with uh, the population as possible. Now, when we speak about Poland, Poland includes Lithuania, Russia, it's all one big, Ispashtusa, the Yidden in Lithuania and Poland, and Russia are, are all coming from those Yidden in Poland. Um, and if you look, you can start going further back. Before the Altareb, it's not even clear that anyone even recognized that there was any distinction between these groups of Yidden, that they're even seen as different. By the time of the Altareb, of course, you already have a certain distinction between a Litvak and a this and a that, but that's more about uh, learning and personality and uh, outlook. But it seems that at that time, everyone still looked pretty much the same. Of course, often to with Chassidim and Misnagdim either. And so it was a very, very, very ancient-looking get-up, the way the coat looked, and the pants, chas v'shalom, not full, long pants. The shoes were different. Of course, the payas were, were long, were big. The beers were full and long. Uh, the streimlach, the head coverings, could be there were still some distinctions regionally, but geographically, but overall, whatever hat people were wearing were, looked very old. They had big yarmulkes back then. Now, like the yarmulkes we have today, even the most forefront Haredi today, is yarmulke is still considered like a small yarmulke compared to the big square yarmulkes that surround their entire head. You can still see in pictures from 100 years ago. And, and only so... Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, those days before 1840, so 
all he made the Yeah, that's what we're saying. Yeah. In Poland, Lithuania, Russia, yes. Germany was different. We're making a distinction between Germany and countries, night area, Bohemia, Moravia, that's one category, and then you have Poland, Lithuania, Russia, that's what we're talking about. The Germans look, the German Jews look more like the Goyim throughout the generations. Okay. Um, only someone who was getting a little kalia, someone who was becoming a little life declared, so then he might have voluntarily started changing his clothing to look more like the Deutschen, to look more like a German, a German Jew. That's the status quo till we arrive at the time of the Tzemach Tzedek and the Gzeir. Now, the Gzeir itself, I don't know how familiar, if at all you are, but even if you're not really familiar, I'm sure you've heard bits, tidbits. So, for example, it's the famous Maes of the Bihil Pariacher and the Payas and the Tailor, right? It's in Shmos Vesipurim, Falakan, and in Achel, Bihil was in Babraisk, and there was the Gzeir to cut the Payas, and you went out in the street, the police would grab you and cut the Payas. One time, Bihil went in the street, and uh, an officer stopped him and wanted to cut his payas, Abhil was covering his payas, it was a fight, it was a struggle, and then this tailor passes by, and he sees what's going on, and uh, he actually had a relationship with the officers, uh, he sold them clothing, and when he saw Abhil, his mamish, uh, you know, inside the you know, police's mamish uh, thrashing him, so he started screaming, let him, let him go, leave him alone, he's a holy Jew, and the officer let go, and Abhil was very happy that his payas were saved, and he told the tailor, I promise you that uh, you'll be b'mchitzasi. And then the story continues of how uh, the tailor ended up being buried next to the bill, even though no one else knew it, uh, um, of course, there's a separate discussion about the length of payas, and uh, even if the payas aren't long, the payas could also be big and bushy, which you see as well. So even if you're avoiding mixing with the beard, depending on how you understand the arizal, but you still have big payas in other ways. So another uh, another thing you see in the Mekayda is about uh, the hats, Umar and Menechem, the idea that you're supposed to see the sky, because until then people didn't wear hats at all. They wore these big yarmulkes, and that was the uh, the, hat, the yarmulke itself was almost the size of a hat, or sometimes it's called the mitznefes. In some, uh, right, you see some old yarmulkes of tzaddikim, they look uh, pretty uh, pretty huge. Um, but there was, no, there was no brim sticking out, and then... Uh, the gzeda was that there should be a kazerak, there should be uh, a brim, something sticking out, and the whole opposition among the chassidim was that, oh, they don't want us to look at the, the shemaim, it's married to Yerushalayim, and now they want to block it, so you're supposed to look up, so there was the idea, maybe you turn your, you know, you can wear it, but you can turn it to the side, so it doesn't actually block your, your vision. So that you may be familiar with as well, but to understand this, a little more Masudar before we get to the halacha, so I, I figured maybe we can look uh, for outside sources that describe this uh, bit of history. So there's someone by the name of uh, Professor Anthony Polonsky of Brandeis. He has books called The Jews in Poland and Russia. Uh, volume 1 covers 1350 till 1881, so from the beginning of Jewish settlement in Russia till the end of Marash Barach. And volume 2 is 1881 to 1914, a whole book just about the Tzkufa Debra Sham, and then there's a third one for the Tzkuf after that, which is already uh, recent history. So in, cha- in volume one, chapter 11, he has a chapter on Tsar Nikolai and the Jews. Of course, we can't get into all the background, but the, overall, the, what you have to know is that uh, at that time, Russia had conquered Poland. Poland was no longer an independent kingdom. Poland, Lithuania, it all became part of the Russian Empire, and all of a sudden, the number of Jews in Russia shot up tremendously. And the Tsar and these people were always super paranoid, generally about uh, something from a, from a political standpoint. But any group that seemed slightly different was always perceived as a threat. Uh, if you're not going exactly, not only Jews, but also other minorities. Um, if you're not going like a you know, total mainstream Russian. So that's where all these Xeris start appearing, which were not the deal. They weren't mamish out uh, you know, shmat all the yidden. That wasn't uh, the stated goal. But the old exodus, what they had in common was they're trying to really push and pressure the Jews to integrate more in society. And that, in fact, that, that uh, motivation and what exactly the motivation is actually is relevant to the halachic shayla because if we wanted to say is it a shasa shmat or not, you have to define what is the mach is actually trying to do. So I'm going to quote a little bit from this book. Um, so it's all about someone by the name of Pavel Kisilev. Uh, his name is mentioned once by the Fidik Rebbe in Almer Samachsed of Tzinos Haskala, but uh, he's not the main character there, but he's the main character with these Gzedes. 
look him up. He has his own Wikipedia entry. Uh, the way he's described often is as he was progressive. Now, they don't even mention now, you know, how Jews factor and look it up, look up the, you know, the encyclopedia entries. They don't even mention, that, you know, what uh, significance and impact they had on Jews. But uh, interesting that he's described that way, and you may or may not want to draw parallels to what, you know, the word progressive means today. But uh, for, for 18 years, he was the uh, imperial minister of state properties, and he was tasked with uh, the, the, the problem of the Jews. So uh, in 1840, in Tafresh, uh, there's, there's a memorandum, a memo he gave to the emperor on the ordering of the Jewish nation in Russia. Um, and he starts off by saying, we have all these problems with the Jews and the Talmud and the, the Kohol, it's its own little uh, dictatorship inside uh, Russia. And there's the kosher meat tax, which funds the Kohol. The special dress uh, makes, means that they feel separate. So he said, we're not going to just make Zetas to make the Jews feel miserable, which was the traditional the European approach. It was just to make Jews' lives miserable for the, for the sake of it. He said, our goal should be to transform them by removing the harmful factors that obstruct the, their path to the general civil order. So we have to re-educate the Jews, and so we're going to make schools, and uh, the rabbis have to be certified in the schools, and we have to uh, change the, the Jewish dress. Then further on, further on, on page 382 and on, so they legislated in accordance with Kislev's recommendation to ban specific forms of Jewish dress, to uh, reduce the separateness of the Jews, um, and they felt also economically it's going to, they'll be more integrated that way. Um, so it was first raised in 1804, Tafrish Dalet, um, started off as when the Jews leave the Pale of Settlement, there's a very narrow strip of, land, of, air, of Russian land they're allowed to live in. If they leave, they have to dress like Germans. If they move, if they go to Petersburg, to Moscow, they have to dress in German dress, which uh, at some point, you know, German, I guess, became, they changed it to Russian dress. Um, but we, with the Russian laws, you have to remember, sometimes the law's on the books and it's, not uh, obeyed, and sometimes you have the opposite. The, bo- the law doesn't really say much, but the, the people on the ground are enforcing it, uh, you know, with extra gusto. So it seems like this didn't uh, kick in as much. And then, as time went on, sorry, 1804 is Tafkov Samach, uh, Samach So That's when it started. In the time of Al-Tareba already, Rebbe Rechamajah writes to Al-Tareba, but, oh, I know you traveled to these big cities. Does that mean that you dressed uh, in a Gaish way when you went to those cities? That was that much earlier. Um, but then in the 1840s, I don't know if that's negate to dressing like Gaim, but that's negate to dressing fancy, yeah. But in the 1840s, which is the Tafreshes, the first the decade of the Tafreshes, so that's when it gets serious, and of course that's when you also have the Maskilim who are on their, on their own are trying to pressure the government to, to modernize the Jewish community for their own agenda. The Maskilim and the Russians didn't actually have precisely the same agenda. The Maskilim were more intellectual, more enlightened, more open-minded than the Russians themselves were, so uh, they didn't always actually see eye to eye, but they write, the quote here, you know, Mamish Bashmutzing the Yidden of how uh, the Jews look. They say, anyway, when the Jews go to Petterburg, they change their clothing. So you see, it's not so Mukhrech uh, Alpi Yiddishkeit. So, as a consequence, they had this comprehensive set of decrees enacted banning Jewish costume. So, they defined it as silk hoods, belts, fur hats, so called coverings without peaks, yarmulkes, short trousers, and boots for Jewish women, wigs of any sort that match their hair color. And this was introduced in stages, um, uh, started off uh, by 1851. It would be everywhere except for those who are already over 60. We'll leave them alone. Um, in the beginning, they actually, there was a fine. You could continue wearing Jewish clothing, but you had to pay a fine. And that comes up a lot in these discussions. You had to pay three to five rubles to wear a yarmulke in public. Then they banned payas entirely. Then they banned women were forbidden to shave their heads upon marriage. So... All of this information is attested to. Also, there's still a lot of Russian documentation out there. Um, quotes here from uh, Pauline Wengerov, who's a famous uh, memoir about what, you, what life was like for Jews in Russia. She writes that uh, this Yukasa was called the Gezeira, not one of the many Gezeiras that overcame the Jewish people, but simply the Gezeira. Like this was the top, the worst Gezeira. A lot of documentation of Jews complaining, sending complaints to the government, how they're being mistreated, 
it says at one point, Yabiakov Yosef Halpern of Redditchev was mentioned in the Asifa with Tzemach Tzedek. It says he donated at least a thousand rubles to cover all the Yamukas for uh, a whole group of Yidden. So it was, uh, it was Freilach. That's the, uh, the background. Now, while we're on this topic, I have to point out there is a big uh, article uh, as well in Hechel Bar Shemtev Yud Beis from Tavshin Samachva by Amram Bloy, one of the three Chabad uh, Bloy brothers. The fourth one actually is the one who wrote this farm on Ribis and Mikvais. Um, Amram uh, was killed tragically in Tavshin Ayn Tess in, in an accident. Anyway, so he wrote a lot of articles in the last uh, decade uh, in Hechel Bar Shemtev, and he wrote one called G'dayleya Chassidus Gzeres Amal Bushim, and he's signed a lot of shot. But the article itself is not really a halachic article. He just quotes a few lines here and there, more about the history and what's going on. So we're going to try here to get a bit more into the actual halacha, especially for the Tzemach Tzedek. And we already mentioned Rabbi Yosef Tamarkin earlier, which is also a tshuva related to this, these topics. So the big makar and halacha on this whole topic is the tshuva of the Ma'adik from the 1400s in Italy. And before the Ma'adik, we have the Rambam. The Rambam writes in Hilchus of the Zara Perek so that's a general negative statement. And here's a, this is like a general positive statement. You should be moved on. Um, and then he says, they said to speak with Farat, and he says, So that's where they're getting specific. Also, not fully clear, though, what the Ram actually means. Practically, what does it mean, uh, what does it mean, what does it mean, what are we talking about exactly? So, the big major text on this is the Maharik, and I once gave a share that focused on the Maharik mainly, and here we're just going to quote the highlights. Um, so, the Maharik was in Italy during the time it's called the Renaissance, that means that there's a certain openness uh, between the Jews and the non-Jews, etc., which may have influenced this question. This chuba was written to Yehuda Miser Leon, who was a doctor and a rov and a very interesting Jewish character in Italy at the time. So he writes that about the kappa, Asher Kasafta, he's describing this big uh, garment. And the people started saying that it's chukas agayim. So I've seen people that refer to this chuba and they just assume that Marek is talking about wearing a white uh, doctor's coat. But uh, historically, White coat is a very, very recent thing. So what is a kappa? So if you look up uh, cape in English, where the word cape comes from, the word cape actually comes from this word kappa, which means in Latin, Latin, a hooded cloak. So if you ever see pictures of the Middle Ages and you see people wearing these heavy cloaks with the hoods, that's a kappa. Um, That's what he's describing. And uh, we know today... Um, when people graduate uh, university, maybe it's even into the, came to some Jewish schools, you wear uh, a gown. So that's what also the same thing, that's the hishtalshalos of the cape that we're discussing. Um, there's a long history. Bechlau University started off as uh, education for the monks in the monasteries, and the cape may have been more like a monk's clothing, but then the university evolved, and there were secular degrees you could get that didn't have to be religious, and they also used to wear these capes as uh, once you graduated, that's what you got to wear. Marek doesn't address that whole uh, background. Um, so in this case, there's a Yid who studied the medicine, and he wants to wear the kappa now, because uh, that shows that he graduated. And then there's the machap, people are saying, you're wearing a cape, you're wearing, that's a Goyesha thing. So some have suggested that the person asking the question was, it would be Hudem himself, because not only did he have a doctorate in medicine, and Italy is famous for the fact that while all the countries in Europe banned Jews from higher education, Italy did allow, at least in, in, in Padua, I don't, know, I don't know about anywhere else, but you're allowed to actually, Jews were allowed to attend and, and get a degree. Uh, and in fact, Jews from Eastern Europe who wanted a degree in medicine would actually travel to Italy from, this, we're starting with Tomat Marik now, till the time of Ebed Ashab. There were still young men who went to Padua to get a degree because you still couldn't get one in, uh, in Russia or the nearby countries. When? 1400s. This is like the 1460s around. So this should have been Yehuda. Not only did he have a doctorate, he even got permission to issue doctorates to other people, to other Jews. So he was a very important guy. So it makes sense that he was probably the one asking the question. And Marika is asking, okay, so is this a problem or not? It comes from a Gaish background. So he says, Aniyaz Daiti, that chukas hagoyim. Chukas is the word chayk. And chayk, he says, you can compare it to the chukim in the Torah. Chayk is something that either we don't know the time or doesn't have a time. 
So the same is for the guy, I mean, it has to be something where there's no reason, no normal reason to do it. And if you're doing it, that shows that your mom is going along with what the guy want to do. Another reason is if there's a princess element, something that uh, about the way you're dressing or the way you're behaving just seems the opposite of tznias and anav. Um, it says, and even then it has to be that you're doing it to imitate them and not for some te'eles yudua. If there's a clear reason, a logical reason why you're doing it that's beneficial to you, then it should be fine, according to the Marek. It's called Shekane the Kappa, there's no Isser, as we know why they wear it. It's Simon, Hayesim, Masigim, Bechachma, Hahi. So it's all for the te'eles, it's all for the benefit, for your status. Uh, the COVID, the, the profits you can make once people will identify you as a doctor. So uh, there's no intention here to be Madame. And even they themselves are not doing it for Goyeshkai, they're doing it for Kavan and the Tealis. So according to Maria, it doesn't matter, even if you look mamish like a Goy, there has to be something additional, some negative here that uh, makes it us. Now, besides the din of Chukas HaGoy, which we've been discussing, there's also the din of Arkas of the Masani in the Gemara, the shoelace, right? Even the shoelace are not allowed to change because it's seen as part of Yiddishkeit, and the Goyim are trying to uproot Yiddishkeit. So even if they target the shoelace as part of Yiddishkeit, that's also part of Yiddishkeit now, and you have to be Meisir Nafesh. So here and throughout the conversation discussion later on, there's really two questions. Are we allowed to change on our own? That would be the Chukas HaGoyim question. And then, even if, let's say, maybe it's not so bad, but what if the Goyim, what if there is something associated with Jewish behavior, and the Goyim want to change it, do we have to be Meisir Nafesh now? But... Uh, but there's still a lot in common, and usually if you're being raised in Nefesh, that means there's some association with Yiddishkeit, so maybe we can learn something from Arkas of the Masani about Chukas Agai. So he says, among, I'm just quoting highlights, he says, that in the Rishonim and Ashkenaz, they wrote that then it's us of Arksa. But if you on your own want to go undercover, you don't want to be recognized as a Jew, the Goyim, this is quoting from Germany, from the, the, the What's a so uh, it's referring to some kind of striped clothing. And it's interesting to look into that whole piece of history. It seems like the, the in Germany at that time, they looked a little different, but they also, if they're on the road, if they, if they felt like they're in, in an unsafe situation, they like to switch their clothing to even more Gaisha looking clothing so as to not arouse, uh, to draw attention. Uh, so, in other sources that say that when they were on the uh, road, they would wear high boots. And when they, were, when they felt safe, they used to wear regular shoes. And a lot of other interesting sources like that from then. So, they discussed if it was Mutter. And that was what they were saying. Like, Arks of the Masan is only a problem if they're making you. But if you on your own want to go into cover, it's fine. So, that's something Maidik quotes. As part of a point he's making. Then the Radik turns to the actual directly to the topic of Arks of the Masani, um, which sounds like that we're just wearing different shoelaces just for the sake of it. And he says, No, Fakert, as Rashi says in Sanhedrinim, Derech Agoyim Likshar Derech Kach, but Derech Yisrael Likshar Derech Acher, Kigoyim Rashi adds, Shiyesh Tzad Yahadas Bedavar, but Derech Yisrael Yisnuim, Tzafilu Shine Zesh, Inka Mitzvah, Shim and Hagaba, Amma Yakalish is a Shamis Allah of Nezro Havere. So he says, Fakarit, you see here it says, So that means the opposite. The Goyesha shoelaces, there's some princess in their shoelaces. Not stomach, it's arbitrary that we just happen to have different shoelaces. Otherwise, it should have said so. Uh, so if the, if the guy just say, you know, uh, change your buttons or something, there shouldn't be a problem if there's no uh, significance to that. Even the Ref who writes clearly, that the Yid and Dafka were black shoelaces and the Goy and Dafka were red. that the problem was Dafka with the red. Red is a problem, it's a problematic color. We know from other places to avoid the color red. But if the Goyim were wearing black shoelaces, we could also wear black shoelaces. It's not that we're always doing a different color with Dafka. He mentions that till today, the Jews in Italy, that's one thing their Nizer says that we only red. Even though someone pointed out that the kappa itself and all the color drawings we have is actually bright red. So it's a little hard to understand how that fits. But he says we avoid red. We have the more embrachas, the woman was wearing red, he ripped it off. But stam colors shouldn't be a problem. So he care from here, from here also he wants to prove that it has to be pritzus, not just looking different for the sake of being different. 
Ah, what about the Rambam? The Rambam said, So that sounds like we should actively strive to look different. So he says, No, look at the Hemshech. says, I'll call upon him that uh, we have to be different no matter what. That's not what the Rambam No, it can't be. Vadai, that only meaning there's something that's very unique about it, and the Jews already have said, okay, we're not wearing that, and that is something, has to be some kind of national garb, some kind of national costume, it's connected with their identity as a nation, which isn't identified with a nation, with goyim, it's the chachamim, it's not a goyish clothing, it's a smart man's clothing. It happens to be that uh, all the smart people until now are goyim, but it's for smart people. So, and even a guy, a stama guy can't wear it. If you're not a chacham, you can't just uh, impersonate one. Um, so, in France, Bechlal, uh, even the chacham don't wear it there. Pshita, pshita, that's not the malbush hamayuchah that Rambam was talking about. So, Mela, that's how he understands the Rambam. So, he's limiting the Rambam very, very much over here. And then, after this whole thing, he reveals that, by the way, this is actually Negea to all the Jews in Italy. He says, V'yafek saftem, that if we actually go with this shita, that there's a problem with the kappa, then Yitzhak HaYisrael L'shanas Mabush, so Ke'erodim Tzadik Ba'aretz. We're all uh, in trouble here in Italy, because in Italy they're also a lot more uh, advanced in how they dressed. We're all in trouble, we're all bad news. Either we look like the old Italians or the young Italians, but uh, we all look like them, so uh, you're going to be Aser, Mashinogu, Kol Yisrael, Bapumbi. You realize what you're saying? You realize you're starting up with everyone here? You don't want to say that, right? So, Bazai. There's no chiv uh, to look different at all. Just don't wear malbush miyuchet. So for sure the kappa is fine. Then the Marit keeps going through other stories in Chazal where Jews look like goyim, goyim look like in. There's a lot of stories in Chazal that touch on this and what you can try to extrapolate from there. Um, among while he's making the point about one of those mukaitas, he does say. Maybe Taka, the only thing that was different was the shoes. Which is a text there that you should wear different shoelaces. Maybe they, they did feel they have to be different. Maybe all you need is one little change in your shoe. Um, it says, Damn, it's unthinkable that Anam would have meant that you should have to change all your Malbushim. Uh, Some distinction. It's not even clear, though. He makes that point. It's not even clear that that's his real opinion, because elsewhere he seemed to be saying, that was just uh, like Lushita yeah. Elsewhere he writes, no matter what, even if the guy is wearing the most normal clothing, that's how he phrases what the other people, the other camp is saying, and he thinks that's you know, ridiculous. That's what he's trying to debunk. In that spirit, the Marek concludes, and uh, I try to keep it relatively short to give you the main gist of it. Now, if you look in Shulchan Aruch, it's the day of Simon Kofayin Ches, which is pretty close to Hilchas Ribis, and I'm sure you probably know that the reason why Hilchas Ribis is here is because the Torah was talking only about Ribis to a guy. The context here was Dinim relating to Goyim, and then the Torah said, "Oh, once I mentioned the Dinim of Goyim, so while we're at it, then he goes in, into the rest of Hilchas Ribis." So it's the, the Simon Kofayins. So the Mechaber goes to the Rambam. He quotes the language, the style of the Rambam. The Ramah quotes the Marek. But when the Ramah quotes the, quotes the Marek, he only mentions the Tayalas, Refei Mumcha, Malbush Miyuchad, Refei Omamutu Leifshay, Kavari Tamacher. He doesn't actually address this Hemshech of the Marek about Bichlau, how should we look on a regular day? And uh, the Pashtus in Italy, like the Marek says, they looked pretty much identical. And in Poland, where the Ramah was, they looked very, very different, and that wasn't being uh, challenged. So now we arrive at the time of the Tzemach Tzedek. Now in the Shut of the Tzemach Tzedek and Simon Tzedek and Tzedek Alf, there are two Tshuvahs on this topic. There's also like a Hashmata that was rather printed in the Miluim. It's in Simon Shin now. There's also a letter that was uh, publicized by Rebbe Levin, not a halachic letter, but relating to the history. Now these Tshuvahs are not written so clearly, 
And in Hecho Barshem we mentioned, I think also in the Haaris, the Tzemach Tzadik mentioned that the Tzemach Tzadik, Rav Makaris, that say the Tzemach Tzadik felt that he was being surveilled. He felt like he was under surveillance constantly. And for that reason, when he wrote about the Yom of Goyim, even to himself, he imposed self-censorship. So the Tzemach Tzadik writes, Akum, instead of Goy or Redezara, even in his own Tzisviyat Kodesh, Chzidus and Halacha, and it was because of that sense. So that's probably why also these letters are not fully, you know, clear. But it's once you understand what they're about, it's pretty clear. One is about the question of Chukas Agoyim, and one is about the question of Mesiris Nefesh for Arks of the Misani. Now, many people quote from these Semach Tzedek, as if the Semach Tzedek decided that this talk no problem. But if you actually are Ma'ayin and the Chivan, I'm not sure how many have actually done that. You'll see that not so fast. So it's, it's important to go through the Semach Tzedek, so I'll try in the time we have to go through Semach Tzedek first. So first, the Semach Tzedek discusses the Gemara and Sanhedrin about Chukas Agoyim, about a Saif, Misa Saif. It says over there that they did the Saif, Kedarech Shehamachus Oysen. The Gemara says, what about Chukas Agoyim? And Chachamim uh, say, it says Saif in the Torah, we got it from the Torah, we didn't get it from them. So from this Gemara is Mashmah more that even something like Saif, which isn't very normal to just chop a person's head off in the normal way, it sounds like from the Gemara that if not for the Pasuk, because the Goyim did it that way, we would have to do it differently. So that's a Gemara that seems to expand the, the Isra Chukas Agoyim. Then the Samasada quotes Iran in Sanhedrin. The Ran says, oh, no, it's all about Avedu It has to be linked to the Derech of Avedu and his big marker is from Masachas of Redezar, where it talks about surf and al-Malachim burning the possessions of the king. And the Gemara also says, what about Chukas Agayim? And the Gemara says, Lav Chukai, we're not, uh, why you don't call everything a chayk just because the guy do something? So that Gemara seems to limit the Isser and anything you could say, I'm not doing it for a chayk, it should be fine. And the Ran goes with that. So the Bukhayrash, Varan Ran from Sanhedrin. And the Tanah Sadiq says, Kush Zu Hiksha Hagra. In the Hagoyah Sagra, near the day of Kufayin Ches, he says, Ran, it's Tumor, Negad, the Sugi, the Sanhedrin. So the Tamar Sadiq says, either the Ran will say the Gemara Sanhedrin, I brought a Pasuk, is Lav Dafke, even if there's any reason, even without a Pasuk, really, it's fine. And the Gemara just mentioned, uh, you know, or you have to say the Sugis Mishalfasin, there's Taka two Sugis, and they don't uh, line up, and uh, the Ran chose to go with the Redizara. Okay, that's one part of the discussion in the Tamar Sadiq. Okay. Let me move on directly to the question of the Rambam and Malbushim. See, what's the Rambam? The Kesef Mishnah says it's from the Sifri. Shall I tell you my the Hanyites? And they're wearing this. I'll wear this. They're wearing that. I'll wear that. Um, but the Pirish on the Sifri is Malbush Chashuf, so that might make a difference. In the Sefer Yerayim, it says. Uh, so the Tzemach is not fully spelling out what he understands from here, but it could be these sources maybe seem to be saying only something that's chashiv, something l'shim teirah shalem, maybe regular clothing should be fine. Although later, the Tzemach Sadiq quotes the Rambam in line with those who say it's a problem. Then he says, Omnam asmag, the smag writes in this lav, So it sounds like a positive thing, you have to look different. So from these sources, as we'll see throughout the Tshuva, he quotes this, he quotes that, he goes back, he goes forth, he's just laying out the information. Then Tzemach goes to Apostolic in Tzvanya. And Tzvanya mentions, Clearly it's being said as a negative. So, but what's Malbush Nachri? So now she says, That wouldn't be relevant. The Tzudas David says, Malbush Shuhuzar Milvushi Yom, sounds like nothing to do with Goyim Mechlal. Nachri just means different People are wearing special clothing, so it also doesn't seem to be connected. Ibn Ezra says, And later on, Zemach Tzedek will also quote the Ibn Ezra as a source that any clothing could be a problem. That's how the Zemach Tzedek understands the Ibn Ezra on this passage. Then there's Gemara Brachis with a woman wearing red, and now she says, So, the Zemach Tzedek isn't explaining what you can derive from that, but you can either take it that it's Tafka, or maybe not. Okay. Then he gets to Marik. And Marik is Madaik from Rashi, from the Rashi and Sanhedrin, but Arks of the Masoni, that is Tzad Yadus. And he said, And the Goyim were a Malbush Acher, if there's nothing more Jewish per se about the Jewish clothing, then uh, that's uh, how he quotes the Marik. 
Um, now, very oddly, I might say, Rebbe Levin in Mibes Agnazim, when he talks about this topic, he, uh, he quotes from the Tzemach Tzedek to tell you what the Tzemach Tzedek's opinion is, and he quotes this quote, Da'afilu and Higi Yisrael, till the end of that quote, which uh, seems a very strange to be a very strange thing to do, because this is a more of a huge shock of Atariah, the Tzemach Tzedek is literally just quoting the Ma'arik, which is a very basic mocker on the subject, and he's just stating what the Ma'arik has to say, and there's a huge discussion afterwards, so... Quoting that seems to be extremely out of context uh, and not representative of the tshuva. But uh, so that's that's this part of the tshuva. Then the Samach says, "Let's get into the rias." There's the ma'is and me'ila where the bruvim brings the bali had to change his haircut. Mashma, that was the only thing he had to change. Which, these are my rias. Or in chulin, the guy who didn't wash in the tilsidayim and the guy thought he was a guy and gave him treif. Oh, the tilsidayim was machshulin. What, what do you mean? Didn't he look Jewish? If he didn't look Jewish, why don't you blame the clothing? He didn't look Jewish. Is there an ayah that uh, the clothing? You couldn't tell the difference. That's another one, Marek Zerayas. The Shach actually uh, slugs it up. Then in the Madrash that tells the story, it says it was a Shasa Shmad, not on clothing. So you were allowed to change your clothing with Shasa Shmad, and the only signal between Jews was until she died. Um, then the Semachsalik brings his own ayah to Marek from like, almost the opposite direction. And Shabbos, it talks about what one can wear on Shabbos, and it says, Arviyos the Arab Jewish women can mamish have their heads, their faces completely covered, uh, etc. So, uh, that's very extreme sneers, but on the other hand, we're saying that they're Arviyos, they're dressing like the Arab women, and that's what we're saying, the Jewish women in Arabia can wear the Arabian women's clothing. So there's no problem. Because it's so tzniyastik, you know, if the Arabs are extra tzniyastik, we're allowed to, if you want to live there and limitate them, that's not an issue of uh, There's other Gemaras, there's other Gemaras which touch on this question of how did Jews appear vis-a-vis the Gaim, and perhaps from a historical perspective, the Bechalak between Eretz and Babel, maybe in Eretz there was more of a difference, and that's some sources, and maybe Babel there was less of a difference, and that's other sources, but we'll leave that uh, to be explored. Um, so yeah, it brings different Gemaras where uh, there was a guy who was mistaken for a Yid, so it's Mashma that they look the same. Well, maybe he changed, maybe he disguised himself as a Yid. And the Medjashah, there's a Maisa where they were Yidin, it says, Shinu Atifasam, they went undercover. So you see from the fact that Shinu Atifasam, that otherwise they look different. Okay. Then from that discussion of the Rais and Chazal, then the Sefer wants to actually talk about the Marek's actual opinion. So it's not Titus Kayanim that we quoted earlier, Bechal mentions the other Titus, not the Sifri, Titus Kayanim says, theaters, those are Bechal, nothing to do with clothing. That's Pritzus. Um, the Sifri that said, this, they're wearing this clothing, I'll wear this, that you could say, that's Stam Levosh, and you, you, you have no intention of imitating. And that's the Marek's Taina, that has to be Shachat and Gaiva, you're trying to imitate them. But when it comes to Ram, the Smag and the Chinuch, they are even though even the Marek claim the Ram doesn't say that, and the Smag and the Chinuch are even, and the are even more explicit, it seems pretty clear they are saying you simply have to look different. Gamma Divrei, and Svanya, also Kashiolov. So you see that Samsalek is bringing both sides. Then he says the Gura also used the same question from Sanhedrin against the Marek. The word Sanhedrin seems to say that you need a Pasuk Dafka. But the, the Samsalek himself offers a, his own answer and he says, shiny Saif, that it only happens periodically. Um, and also because it per- happens periodically that could be more of a chukah than regular things it's a ritual to it you have to be dressed somehow maybe Marik will say that that's not a chuk you have to be dressed extra things. You have extras, a chop, something like that. That wasn't necessary. That could be a chukah. But to dress yourself in the morning, whatever you dress yourself in, you could say according to Marek, that is fine. Now, in Amram Bloy's article, he quotes from this par- paragraph, from this passage, and he claims this represents that Semach Tzedek's Maskana. But if you are following here, that Semach Tzedek was going back and forth, and he's speaking Lashita Seyav the Maharik, and he's saying Lashita Seyav the Maharik, 
This is how he's going to find truth. What's the next paragraph? Who Given that Sarak moved all that. You do have to just look different no matter what. And even from Iran, he wants a Medayak. So that's why those who claim that Samar Sadak was Maskana was such and such, that does not seem to be a fair uh, representation. It also means very original Raya. It says in Kadashim, Now, what? Has to be Havdala. What's Havdala? He says in Shabbos we say There's also Havdala. What do we do on Shabbos? We wear different clothing. So you see from here that in order for there to be Havdala, there has to be different clothing. It's like on Shabbos the weekday. Then he reverts back to the Marik side. There's another right to the Marik because Rashi by Arks of the Misani Rashi said and he added Mitzvah. So Rashi himself is saying that there's no mitzvah to do this regularly. So that means there isn't a law of B'chukeseim. If it was a law of B'chukeseim on a regular day to wear the shoelaces, then the Rashi should have said it is a mitzvah. Rashi said it's not. Only B'Shas Hashmad, when there's some link to Yiddishkeit. So there's something, there's a level, according to Marik, you could say there's a level between uh, having, to, having to wear it all the time, but B'Shas Hashmad, when there's an association, then you have to be Meister Nefesh. But then the Tzema uh, Tzedek himself says, that uh, the, the, the Marik saying that it was only the red shoelaces is the mitzvah. Rabbi Tam says for Kerr, even if the shoelaces are black. Now it's not really is the mitzvah because Marik did mention Rabbi Tam in that quote that I quoted, where he was saying that maybe taki you have to change something. Maybe it could just be one small thing, which is a swear that Samat Tzadik doesn't mention here at all. They did it. Maybe it could just be one small thing. Other Rabbanim at the time did mention that. Um, so in that context, he did mention Rabbi Tam. Uh, otherwise, Marek didn't mention it. Someone said, uh, Marek, uh, the Reign of Tom says that even if it is Shchayr, you do have to be different. And uh, still Rashi says that it's not a mitzvah. So it could be that there's two things. There's a certain mitzvah, and there's things that's not a mitzvah, but you still have to be makbar on it, even Shleib HaShas HaShemad, and HaShas HaShemad, you have to be Meisri Nefesh. And then the Tzema Tzedek concludes that, by the way, in the Shildas, there's a whole different shot in Arkasa that has something to do with how the Velt understands it. It has to do with the Zara. Arkasa was something to do with the Zara. I'm not getting into that right now. But, and that's how the Tzema concludes without a clear maskana. So, overall, the Tzema was explaining both sides. Bechal, uh, it would also be Magdur more as a Rishima rather than a Tshuva. Rishima means the Tzema was just working through the information, working it out for himself. So, and I pointed out two, in two places where people are uh, seeming to, seem prepared to simply quote things from this Tshuva out of context to misrepresent the spirit of the Tshuva because the last thing... Uh, Right after we quoted the Ma'arek, he said, the Afu Dikane, the Ram, Smag, but Rafa Ibn Ezra, who also came to the Tzedek Shia, Yehei, Yisrael Movdo. And it's unclear why the Tzedek would have been, if his Maskana was, the Ma'arek can outweigh uh, the rest. And Bechla, we know historically in Poland, right, the Yidin or Taka always mocked it. Unlike Italy, they didn't follow the Ma'arek in that. We could discuss that more. There's also in, in Simon Shin, there's also uh, like a Hashmata that ever says, it was printed in the Miluim. Uh, Talks about hechalos. The question of oh, the Ramos says a hechal has to be different. So some say, oh, the Ramos means that if they build their building this way, you have to build their building that way. The Rambam says, no, nah, I don't think so. Okay, again, both sides. Then the Samach said quotes from a few midrashim about va'avdil, and those midrashim doesn't mention levush. So the Samach said writes, and Ken lochereraya she'en chiv she'i a Yehudi moved over levushay, and it's also been quoted. Oh, see, the Samach said wrote in chiv, but. It's a middle of a shakavatari. It's shayach to the previous shuvah. It's like a hashmata. It doesn't seem fair. Again, he's just spelling out the, what you can direct in this medrash. Does this medrash outweigh all the other mekaris and alacha? Who says? And he gets back to the end of havdala, uh, vaavdil, and then he mentions. By the way, in the gemara dafke, they didn't bring a raya from vaavdil. When it says the gemara to wear different clothing on Shabbos, but not because of vaavdil. It doesn't say the word Havdala in the Torah. We say Amav Mekadosh Lachayel, but it doesn't say the word in the Torah, so the Gemara couldn't have used it. That sounds like a Raya back to his Farah that Havdala means. You do have to look different at So I don't think you can uh, bring a Raya from that line in the middle of that either. So we don't really have time to get into the other Tshuva. And Simon Sadik, which is written more like a Tshuva to Shaila, there the question is of Mesiris Navish of Arks of the Misani. And again, we said the Dinam are not identical, meaning even if on our own, maybe we could change. It might still be us, sir, if the government is making a decree. So it gets into the whole discussion of, uh, in Sanhedrin, uh, Esther, perhaps, yes, there's two things in the water. Karka Ayala, but she's passive, so she's not being able to have that's why it's okay. The other one is, that's Lahanas Atmai. So Tzemach asks, what about in Ksubis, where it says that uh, they made a that she, to boil a tafsir, 
And the Gemara says, what's the problem? Tell him that it's fine. Like the Sakana here. Tell him that it's okay. You know, you're allowed to. And Mechayr over here, there is Hanas Atzmai. But on the other hand, there's also Havar Aldo. Why did they make Exeda Shatibol Atafsar? Clearly, they were trying to be Mar with Yidin Aldas. So there's this combination. The idea where it's partially the Havar Aldasam, that's what it's Exeda. But there's also partially Hanar, because the Tafsar is having a good time. And the person who made the Exeda isn't necessarily the person who's carrying it out. So you see that sometimes you have these complex situations, and the from here comes dice that if there's a combination of the two, it could be that uh, we say it's lanos atzmai, then something like machalish, and even there it's passive. That's by Gilead Ayas, you need both, karka oil and lanos atzmai. But if it's not Gilead Ayas, then maybe we could take that vert of hanos uh, atzmai, even if it's a complex partial hanos atzmai, and apply it here. The Semachsev doesn't necessarily conclude clearly that that's his opinion. Another svar, there's five things that Semachsev says, and without what we'll conclude. Semachsev says um, that we have to follow what they say. They're claiming, the government is claiming, but we're not trying to be marveled in al-das, even though deep down we think that's what they really intend, but they keep on saying not, so maybe we should take their word for it. Lahalacha. Another uh, Another Svara, he says, is that they're not offering the option of being killed here, Bechal. If you don't listen, he says, they'll take you, to, they'll conscript you into the army. You'll be away from more Averis. You didn't gain anything. Um, another thing is that Bechal, the Shiltis, you can Mitzayra for the Shiltis, Bechal doesn't hold of the Arkasa, his Taich and Arkasa, doesn't do Shulaisis, Bechal, which, you know, that's not really, uh, it's like a sniff. And a fifth thing he says is, is that maybe it's Bechal Ashita that says that uh, it's not a problem with other Averis before Hesia, even though that's not what we do, La'acha, but maybe it could be a sniff. You read the whole Shuva in its entirety, it sounds like, right, it sounds like isn't very convinced by his own Svaris, and that line at the end, a sniff. Maybe the main reason Taka was the middle, that there's no choice, really. Like, we would love to be killed, which is not the greatest argument to say that Zemach Sadek holds that it's mutter. That Zemach Sadek is saying, of course, if we can get killed, we will get killed. But we can't get killed. We're just being forced. And there's actually a letter of the Rebbe, but it's been pointed out in Chelek Chaf. Someone asked the Rebbe about Levushim. The Rebbe says, Levushim. And I, in some places, it only mentions beard and payas and not lavosh, because it's an extra thing. Besides lavosh, there's also beard and payas. So you see the Rebbe's understanding of this trip is also that it is a problem. So I know it's uh, we're in overtime. The Maskan, what happened was, is that the Yidden in Russia, Bechlalos, were more compliant. And that's what transformed and updated the Lavosh of the Indian Russia by a lot at that time. The pants, the jackets, they were still wearing long coats, but they looked a lot different. In Poland, you had the Chedush Yerim, the Gera Rebbe said, Yoharik Valyavr, that's a whole chapter in its own. Uh, so in Poland, they uh, resisted it a lot more, or as soon as they were able to switch back, they switched back. And in Russia, not so much. And then, of course, there were more things along the way. Then when, when Chabad moved from Russia to America, so the American boys are already dressing like Americans, so the Russian Bachim already started dressing like the Americans. So the attitude changed that, you know, we still, like the Rebbe says, we're still trying to look different to some extent, but the takeaway was that, yeah, we're not, whether some Tzedek says or not, other Chabad Rabban, which you don't have time to get into, maybe a different time, they said, as long as you look slightly different in some way, another way, obviously today we still look very different uh, than everyone around us, so like I said, we uh, we try to look different. That's, we do seemingly hold of chukas agayim, etc. Whether or not there is exeda, but we're not dafka looking to keep it exactly the way it was. Mashenkin in Poland, they try to actually, you know, that's why you have some the mamashmir, the, the short pants and the, the coats, etc., etc. All right. <laughs>